Welcome to the Meet Us in Paris podcast. I'm your host, Zen. I'm Michelle. And Katharina. And this is the Meet Us in Paris podcast where we discuss the fine art of travel. Today, we'll be discussing our best tips to make your travel easier and our most memorable experiences when on vacation. So sit back, relax, and explore the world with us. We've got some great stories to share. Meet Us in Paris is sponsored by the University of California, Irvine Division of Continuing Education. Do you have an educational goal? At UCI DCE, we're here to help. With over 60 certificate programs available, we've helped over a quarter million students reach their goals, and we can help you reach yours too. You can find us at ce.uci.edu. Dream big, take risks, be amazing. Okay, so welcome back. So our first topic is travel tips to make your vacations earlier, easier, earlier. You can't get there earlier. Um, the reason why we uh, came up with this segment is that a lot of us have been traveling, all of us have been traveling for a very long time. And there's a lot of things that you learn when you're actually on the road that you never hear anywhere else or you see printed in a book. So we thought we'd bring some of the travel tips that we came up with. And um, we'd like to share them with you. And hopefully you use them too. So the I'm going to let... Katharina start and awesome. tell her tell us her tips so I have a few tips um, so usually I fly to Europe so it's a long long flight over 10 hours and what I found is the perfect seat I guess for me specifically but it's sitting next to the wings the front of towards more towards the front of the wings so you can still see a nice view not just the wing and the engine and sit at the aisle. So when you sit at the aisle seat, because one reason is you can stretch out your legs when you're sleeping. And I like to walk a lot during flights. Pretty much every hour, I'll get up to use the restroom, walk around, talk to people, stand <laughs> next to the to rest, <laughs> <laughs> make some friends. The greener. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, when I was little, I guess, on those flights, my mom told me, um, I would walk around up and down the plane and just give people high fives when I was like five <laughs> that's years so old. Cute. Yes, that's so cute. <laughs> well, I used to go up and down the aisles and apparently say hello to everybody. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's not uncommon, I guess. So I guess that's still in me. I still have to get up and talk <laughs> to people. I was and... too poor to travel when I was five. <laughs> my mom took me on a plane when I was eight weeks old. Oh, my gosh. Oh my yeah, gosh. And I seasoned. cried the entire time. Well, that must have been fun. Yeah, well, my it, poor it, mom, she was like, everyone was looking at me, but she's like, I wanted to show you to our family in Poland. Oh my gosh, so it, it was a nice short trip as well for everyone. Oh yeah. The 15 so, hours in a row. Yes, 15 like, oh, hours me. of me non-stop crying. Yeah, you beat so. me, I was nine months the first time I took a trip oh, overseas. Yeah. And same I thing. barely born. When you like were... mom. <laughs> I'm well, like, diseases on planes and you're taking like a newborn? Just you know. <laughs> right? Jeez. <laughs> but yeah, so I'll see to get up a lot and then... Um, I talk to the flight attendants and get some extra snacks, so that's always fun. And I don't bother anyone with my constant getting up if the people next to me are sleeping, so that's always good. Mm -hmm. And if you sit next to the wings, there's more stability, so you feel less of their turbulence as if you were in the front or the back of the plane. Oh. Next. Sure. Let's go on number one, number two. 
Number two? Okay. So my second one is I did some research about the coffee and tea drinking on planes. So I guess you're not supposed to be drinking coffee or tea on an airplane because not even the flight attendants will drink plain coffee or tea. And an EPA study found that one in every eight planes fail the agency's standards for water safety. Um, so I guess the water and tea, uh, the water for the tea and coffee come from tap water, not from bottles while in flight. And the water could be downright disgusting. According to a 2004 EPA sample of 158 planes, 13% contain coliform. Two of the airplanes were found to have dangerous levels of E. coli in the water. So doctors are saying that if you have a compromised immune system or you want to feed your baby water from a bottle with the tap water, you should think twice about doing that. And I mean, if you do boil the water for a minute, it kills the E. coli. But if you're up in higher altitudes over 6,000 feet, you need to boil the water for three minutes and let it cool. So, I mean, it depends on the flight attendants, I guess, if they're really paying attention to the three-minute rule and how long they're keeping it out of Why don't they just boil. use bottled water in the yeah. coffee machine? I just don't get it. If they know all of this. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, that's crazy. Exactly. So Never stay clear. Again. Drink bottled water yeah, only. Right. I wonder if you could do a special request. Be like, hey, I want tea, but can you make it from the bottle? Yeah, I wouldn't try that. I would yeah. that. <laughs> but then they could enjoy some too. And drink right. It. What, actually, what you should do is like, what are you drinking? Yeah. I'll drink that. Seriously. Right. Well, what I feel is like if you're constantly drinking scotch, you know, it's sterilizing everything. Anything. Yeah, yeah. Your hands right. and everything that touches. So just another drink. reason why I sit on the aisle seat. Doesn't alcohol also <laughs> decrease your immune system? So oh, just so it cancels out. It just cancels out E. coli, <laughs> immune system, alcohol. Yes, it kills, but your immune system. So I don't know if you can fight that well. Uh, just just don't board. drink the tea yeah. or coffee to noted. be safe. Duly noted. <laughs> oh my goodness! Not that I ever drink coffee or tea on a plane. Anyway, it's mm-hmm. usually vodka. There Actually, you weren't see? you talking about do, like talking about sanitizing things as well? Oh yeah, sanitizing things. Okay, so I have a practice every time I get on an airplane. I have like um, disposable hand alcohol wipes. wipes. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I wipe down the tray table very yeah. well, and every button on the screen I wipe down because I guess I've I've seen people change their baby's diapers. That's so I can't get over on that. those tray tables. <gasps> and I mean. I don't know how often the plane gets cleaned, and I doubt they clean every no, single no, no, tea no. tray bowl like uh, Lysol. No. So have your own wipes, clean everything, the seat buckle, clean it, the armrest, clean it. Anything you touch, yeah. Anything you touch, clean it. Especially <sighs> when you go into the restroom, like, wash your hands, yes, but also use hand sanitizer after. Yeah. Yeah. So. Filthy flying yeah, vessel <laughs> and then when i was just on my plane my whole tray was just like had food stains all over uh, it and i'm like oh this is nasty so i have to like wipe it down three times yeah oof sounds grosses me out not good yeah. yeah well i'm gonna go with um i'm gonna talk about currency um i uh, if you're traveling to foreign countries obviously one of the things you need is foreign currency uh, even if you use credit cards all the time, you need a little bit of currency to tip someone, taxis. There's lots of services and lots of countries. Like if you go to Japan, it's a very much a cash 
cash sure. country. Yeah. Um, so some places use credit cards, but in Japan, for the majority, cash, cash. Um, cold hard cash is what makes the world move over there. So I like to purchase. First, what I do is I actually go look at the exchange rate. And then I start doing the typical things like check with AAA, check with my bank, um, and uh, check with the currency exchanges at the local mall or wherever I can find one. But ultimately, what I end up doing is sometimes I uh, will go to a friend. And anyone who's come back from that country, um, coming back from Japan or coming back from another country, what I'll do is I'll purchase a currency off of them at the going rate. And they happen to love it. The reason why is um, when you take it to a foreign exchange service, they have a fee. So quite often, if you have $100, you go, let's say you have $100, you go to an exchange office, and they'll give you essentially $90 worth of a foreign currency. If you come back with that same foreign currency, $90 worth, and you exchange it back to American dollars, you get essentially around $81 in the end. So they're actually losing money on both ends of the um, transaction. So I'll purchase off of them so they don't lose that 10%. And I'm happy because I don't have to pay that 10% for an exchange fee. Mm-hmm. Um, another way I've also gotten money is um, eBay, hmm. which is kind of a strange way. Yeah, yeah I, I saw this travel tip somewhere and. Um, I, I found it on, I've only saw it once on a blog, but essentially I was looking for, so I was like, okay, let's, is this real? So I looked for some Japanese yen. And then of course, when you're looking at the Japanese yen on eBay, you have to be careful because some of it is actually collectible money. And yeah. so, it's kind of strange, right? Because it's collectible money that you're buying it for collectibles, but some of it's current currency that someone who's trying to get rid of the money without paying that foreign. How do you know if it's fee. not counterfeit? Yeah. You just look at the Take records of, it's just like, the you know, is, record, yeah, you yeah. look at the seller's background and rating. Mm-hmm. Um, the one I purchased actually was a coin gallery. Yeah. But, um, I mean, it's kind of like, it's more official, there's, there's, yeah, but at the same time, there's fake Rolexes and such sure. like that on eBay. So you just had to use your best judgment. If they got lots of good ratings, you know, maybe they're, you see lots of things from Japan. It's obvious that they're coming back and forth from that particular country. Yeah. And it's, it's just, a have gone some, couple hundred dollars and i've mm-hmm. done really well um you also have to be careful is that when you're going to foreign countries like this was a real shock i told you uh that i purchased some money from a friend got some british pounds from her she was there about two years ago I tried to spend it and they looked at me and says you can't use this money and i'm like mm-hmm. what Donna, hi Donna, my friend, ripped me off. What's going on here? Well, apparently in the last two years, they had um, they had retired the $10 pound. Oh, okay. Oh. And so they had, so I went this year during the summer. They had retired the pound in March, the $10 mm-hmm. note. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm sorry, 10 pound note. And you the only way you could have it exchanged is to go to a government bank or go to a post office to have it exchanged. So this money, I actually had like a couple, like maybe about 50 bucks worth of $10 notes. I actually had to go somewhere to have it exchanged. So when you're purchasing on eBay, make sure that they're not like it's current currency and it's not something that you can't spend. So that, that's my money tip. Yeah. Um, you got a tip, Michelle? I do. I have another Japan tip. Shocking. <laughs> we love Japan. Um, one thing that um, we noticed when we first 
arrived in Japan in, in the public restrooms, um, there's no paper towels. And it's common practice that um, people have their own personal towelette that they carry around with them. And um, <laughs> I, I could not find one anywhere to buy. Like I went through all the drugstores or, you know, like the, just the regular Sunday <laughs> store and I could not Did find. Did you ask people? Where can I find When them? you say towelette, disposable yeah, or something? No, that it's, you, can... you can wash it. It's like a little washcloth sized towel. The answer is Daiso, by the way. Uh, I, oh. You know what? I couldn't find that. Well, we weren't in Tokyo long enough for me to go to a Daiso, but. Okay. But anyway, I did eventually find one though. But that it's crucial to have because otherwise, you know, you can't really dry your yeah. hands or anything like that. And then um, also that there are no public trash cans in Tokyo, or probably throughout the whole country. I didn't really notice any public trash cans. So if you have food wrappers or anything that you you know that are dirty and you're expecting to find a trash can, you're not going to. So you, you have to kind of carry around a smaller bag in your, <laughs> your own bag, little trash like your a plastic. Yeah, I mm-hmm. usually carry like a little. Yeah. Like, um, grocery bag and yeah. they threw all my trash in there yeah it, everything is minimal with trash there so like even though there's no trash cans on the streets it's still super you know uh, clean there's no litter and even i noticed like in the bathrooms um because <laughs> they don't have a trash can in the bathroom they're and in the stall they have these little itty bitty trash cans that are probably like 16 ounces you know and i'm like wow like this they just don't produce trash you know yeah. i guess us ugly well, americans we just trash everything you know it's actually a function of being an island um mm-hmm. is that like if you go to taiwan they actually do the same thing is because like in the united states we're like all this open land when you go to an island there's you only got so much space mm-hmm. and if you start using it as for trash landfills you do, right you yeah. don't have land i mean you don't have places to live, land to live. Mm-hmm. so um islands like taiwan and japan are very um sensitive about um not over over trashing the place. That's nice. So, I know. Not a so, bad idea. So you know why they don't have garbage cans in Tokyo, right? No, no why is that? <laughs> well, all right. So they're joking because they know, I've told the story a million times. But it, I believe it was in the 80s or in the 90s, there was a religious sect that actually, um, that actually left sarin gas in the subways. And they left them in the garbage cans. And after that, and actually quite a few people died and a lot more people got injured. Yeah. And because of that, uh, the government said, okay, no more garbage cans where people can hide um, p- potential gas bombs. So that's why they were removed out of Japan. Isn't that, I mean, that would never happen here. Mm-mm. We just have to live with it, right? Yep. Oh, I don't think yeah. That. Just be more careful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I, I think that was a really responsible thing to do, you know? <laughs> no? I, I don't know. It's just... You know, Can like, we bring it back in like ten years? I, I mean, for you know, and there's a lot of countries that deal with terrorism, and I don't know what the solution is, but mm-hmm. like, you know, are we going to remove all the gar like in Boston? Do you remove all the garbage cans? Right. You know, it's I I don't know, but the thing is that it was definitely um, a forceful move, and the other part is that there is some positive movement because of it. It's like that people re- you produce a lot less trash, trash and they're yeah, a lot absolutely. more conscientious about the right. amount of trash so there's yeah. some benefit to it as well exactly so you have any other tips michelle i i do um this one was kind of cool that i when i went to europe um i noticed that like in uh, paris and in rome their visitor centers their tourism offices or whatnot mm-hmm a lot of them offer free walking tours like every day oh, yeah. at a certain time and like the one in Rome they the people met at the Spanish steps and <laughs> and it was free so that's a really 
nice savings. Um, yeah. And people don't realize that other countries do that. And I don't think that, yeah, they have to because that's the the bulk of their economy a lot of times is tourism. So um, and my last one was, and I'm sure probably some people do this, but I do it now religiously ever since I got pickpocketed. Um <laughs> Oh, no. On the Paris Metro. Oh, jeez. I photocopy everything. Yep. All my oh, documents. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah everybody knows to that do one. that. <laughs> but, you know, my husband never – he doesn't do it. He won't. And I'm like – Why not? He just doesn't think it's necessary, I, mean, I guess. you have a copy in your suitcase. Right. Just... Yeah, he just doesn't think to do it. But, yeah, until you lose some of yeah. your documents, <laughs> it's very scary. You don't carry your passport with you, though, right? I do carry my actual passport. Oh, you do? Oh, I don't. I, I never carry my passport. Don't you have to use it to scan it at the airport and customs? Oh, no, no, no. Well, I no, mean, there. Oh, once, you're, like, once you're there. Oh, well, yeah. no, no, not around. No, okay, I put yeah, it in no, the safe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I put it in the safe. But I'll carry um, a copy, like a yeah. Xerox yeah. copy of my passport. And right. do you guys have, like, that visa card? My no, I don't. My passport came with one of those, like, I, passport identification cards. Yours came one. with one? Uh-huh. Maybe I had to pay, like, $10 extra or oh. something. But it's, I just carry that around mm. when I'm oh, walking passport. around. I mean, it's called a passport card. Yeah. Usually yeah. it's a little bit more. Oh, yeah, I've heard of those. I don't have one mm-hmm. there, but that's easier to carry around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all I got. Well, everyone else did two. I'll go for last one. So I'll do um, readjusting to time zones. So here's my two top tips is um, I used to travel domestically. Um, I used to be in a, had a completely different life before I was in marketing and I used to open up franchises and I used to pop back and forth between the East Coast and the West Coast consistently um, maybe twice a month. So by the time I get out to the East Coast, I had to change um, time zones and then under a week I had to change time zones back. Um, one of the best ways I found out is if you're doing a domestic trip is just keep your curtains open in the morning, just cracked. It doesn't have to be wide open, but when you leave them cracked, your, um, your body naturally wakes up to the sunlight. Mm -hmm. So if you leave the windows cracked, you get the sunlight in the morning and then it helps your body readjust a little bit quicker. Mm -hmm. Um, the other one that I used to do, like if you were, now this is a little bit of a luxury, but like, (laughs) um, if you have the ability to take like, we were mentioning siestas last um, uh-huh. in the last podcast. Okay. If you break up your sleep into two um, two small group, like a grouping, like a siesta, like a, if you can get away with a two hour sleep nap, and then like at night you sleep six hours. When I go to a foreign country, what I used to do was when I would sleep the two hours, I would sleep six hours, and then when I was sleeping six hours, I would take a nap in the um, in the foreign country. Oh, so uh-huh. it's just breaking up your sleep, yeah. and then going to another country is just you're shifting where you're sleeping longer versus um, shorter, mm-hmm. and it always mm-hmm. has worked out well for me as well. Yeah, I do that here at work. I, <laughs> you ever notice I disappear around two thirty three? Oh, that's what you My little bunk bed under the desk. <laughs> oh my god. Um, like oh, actually, there episode. is one more thing: is that always when you're on a plane i was told this i don't know if it's true but you would think that it's true but whenever you're on the plane whenever they feed you always eat because they're trying to acclimate you to Mm -hmm. the food schedule of the country that you're going to and when they put the curtains down they're like well sometimes they'll like okay because everyone put the curtains down it's like it's three o'clock in the afternoon, uh-huh. yeah. and what they're trying to do is they're trying to get everyone get acclimated to the time zone that they're you're going to be, be in, in. A, in a foreign country. Right. So if they feed you, eat. If they tell everyone to close the curtains, 
sleep and yeah. it will help you along the way to uh-huh. when you're going to another country. Yeah. Ooh, something I just thought of right now is I, I don't know if you guys ever flew the new Dreamliner uh, the airplane. S- the seven. Yes, but not where I would like to be flying in it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the poor area. Well, anyways, go, go, go. But, Singapore Airlines one. Okay, yeah, nice. So yeah. I did Norwegian Airlines mm-hmm. with the new Dreamliner, and that plane is just so awesome it's because huge. it really helps with the jet lag. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, reading up about it. So they fly at a higher altitude than all the other planes, mm-hmm. and they pump more oxygen mm-hmm. into the plane. Yeah. And they have mood lighting. I don't know if you noticed the different lighting. So mm-hmm. when you walk in, it's like kind of like a bright yellow light to like keep you awake, like you're sitting down. And then during mealtime, they kind of change the tone of the color. I've read about this. And yeah. then when you're sleeping, it kind of goes into like this um, calming blue-purple lighting. Mm-hmm. And that was like the first time I actually slept a few hours on a plane. Because nice. normally I can't. Yeah. And the Dreamliner... Um, is a really quiet plane. Yeah. Like they built the interior so you can't really hear the engine. That's nice. So, yeah. If the you have a chance, fly if you on wait that until one. you go on a Dreamliner, I'm thinking about the same one, is the windows are huge. Yes. Oh. I mean, like when you're thinking of like typically they're like a small shoebox, these things are like, I mean, they're just, they're Bigger immense. Bigger than your head. Like, it's yeah. Like, you like, actually yeah. can see out the window. Yeah. Oh, wow. And instead of having the, um, like that slide down window shade, yeah. they actually have buns that darken and light. Right, you them. just touch. Yeah, right. I've seen that. Yeah, Some more mood lighting. Yeah, uh-huh. and really then, nice. And you know, like you always have when the stewardess always tells you the flight attendant. I'm sorry, not stewardess. Oh boy, oh, take oh. us back to 1950. <laughs> take me to HR. Um, they they close. They tell everyone to close, and then you always get that one Yahoo who like opens up their window. Yeah. You know, and it's like son of a. Um, they also have control of all those, so they can actually turn everyone's Off. shut. Oh, and then that one cool. guy's trying to turn them on. Nope. Can't they, Sorry, they override? Yeah. But my daughter was like keeps on pressing the buttons back and forth, trying to make oh, it go light dark, light yeah. dark. Um, well, they fun. also are unusually high. Um, the pressurization in those planes, mm-hmm. and I believe also the humidity. Um, they control the humidity better. Yeah, and so, the oxygen. Yeah, together. oxygen pressure and humidity are much better. So people um, you sleep feel more relaxed after. Well, I think they're quieter too. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and they're quieter. So, were you on one? I, I think I was because I, they did have those windows, and I remember it being huge. Yeah, plane. most likely you're on the. It was um, a Singapore airline. Yeah, seven eighty seven. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I think it was, oh, my God. They feed you so much on Singapore Air, too. <laughs> it feels like they're feeding you, like, every two or three hours. It's oh, amazing. I think I had, like, six meals. Wow. Um, it was pretty crazy. This is economy? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. And they even give you, like, hot towels when you first get on, it's too. Fancy. If, I know for economy, too. Yeah, very fancy. So, that was nice. Oh, and I do want to say one thing, Michelle, yeah. to hear about the free tour guides. I don't know if you experienced this, but I feel like if you have a free tour it's way more fun than mm-hmm. a paid one mm-hmm. and i don't know if this is why but when i was in spain um i found out that the free tours are actually done by just random people who love history yeah, yeah. Who are yeah. passionate yep and they don't care about the money they right. just want to share their passion it's almost like a exactly. docent yeah. yeah and it's just so much, much more fun mm-hmm. than like the paid tour because on the paid tour you get some random person that's their who, job that's their job mm-hmm. they don't like coming to do it and it's boring and they yep. tend to be more personable too yeah the ones mm-hmm. that i've experienced is just like and they kind of give you a much better sense of local life uh-huh. versus kind of like from a oh this is a official tour yeah, kind of thing exactly. yeah 
So yeah, highly recommend the free tours. Yeah, they're cool. <laughs> More cool. fun and free. Well, I'm gonna, ex- you know, just because you said about sanitizing everything, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna talk about one other hack that I like that not everyone has. I I, I thought everyone knew about this, but I use travel cubes, and oh. for my suitcase. And I talked to Michelle recently yeah. about this, and she's like, a what? Yeah. And and what they are is that they're little fabric cubes, usually made out of like a parachute nylon or something like that, or Cordura. And you put all your clothes into it. So like you put all your T-shirts so you can separate your T-shirts and separate your underwear. And so each one acts like a little drawer. So mm. it's easier to, you know, like, so it's easier to pack when you're putting these building blocks into your suitcase. Mm. But also when... Like we were in France and we were in a traditional local local hotel, there was no room for us to open up our suitcases. So I would just take out all the cubes and just throw them into a drawer, and I didn't have to pull out six shirts and put them nicely into a drawer. And in addition to, I don't put my nice clean six shirts into a drawer that I don't know who wiped down what's been in there last. So at least, and and when I get home, everything just. The cubes, the clothes, everything just instantly goes into the wash. So nice. it's a nice – cubes are kind of a nice way to kind of keep everything organized. I try that, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen, you know, in Austin Powers when um, he checks out uh, – I think her name is Vanessa. And, like, she's got all of her clothes in, like, the Ziploc bags. And he's like, nerd, nerd alert. <laughs> in the first Austin Powers? Yeah. He's like – he catches that. I don't like, remember that she opens up, Yeah, she opens up her suitcase, and she's got all of her clothes separated into little Ziploc bags, and it's like, nerd alert. Right. <laughs> you know, so it's my version of um, yeah. Ziploc bags. That makes bags. sense, though. Yeah, because, I mean, like, if you're, you know, multiple days into a trip, maybe you're a week into a trip or even five days, yeah. things get messy if you're moving back and forth, mm-hmm. you know, switching yeah. hotels, and then you can't find stuff, so and I get so frustrated. Yeah. I, I, I just live out of the suitcase, and I have to... Like, I feel like I have to reorganize my suitcase yeah. like, twice a day. Yeah. Just, like, so I can find stuff. stuff. Yeah. And then also, I don't know if you have anything that tends to be, like, loose. So, like, I'll even carry one small cube extra. So, like, you know, all this, like, I, I keep tour maps or, like, I get little trinkets or whatever. Yeah. And, like, if you get, so like, the little. Box. Yeah. So it, the <laughs> problem is that, like, yeah. these little coins or what have yeah. you start floating through your suitcase and you never find them again. I just put them into one of the oh, little cubes. Smart. And then they float all, they, they're all together. So when I come out to give gifts out to my friends, oh, everything's in that little gift cube. So yeah, that I, <laughs> I always have to like stuff the gifts in between my clothes. Or, like, yeah. Make sure nothing breaks, breaks or opens, yeah. like roll it. Okay. Well, have you guys ever had TSA open your suitcase? Yes. And I got a letter in mine. I, they send, yeah, they I don't know if it there. has been or not. So, they would put a letter inside. Oh, I've never had like, a letter. This was opened by TSA for mm. check. No, yeah, I haven't. I've had a couple times. And if you've ever, so this was pre-cubes, it's just like when you don't have cubes, your clothes are just freaking everywhere. They're just kind of like, you know, yeah. they've thrown it up into the air and they like packed it back into your suitcase. Yeah. I've actually had them do it post-cubes and then things actually go back kind of where they found it they pull out the, it's like we think it's in this cube from the x-ray i know i think that they open up your suitcase and say oh this guy must be a serial killer he's got cubes oh <laughs> organized no but when every time i fly nope. i don't know why but every single time i fly uh-huh. i'm flagged oh wow and i have no idea why Hmm. And they, like, always go through everything, like, go through my photos, like, ask me what I was doing, and then they pull me aside. And when I was just coming back this year, I was like, okay, they're probably going to flag me again. What's this now? You're probably on a new fly list or something like that. 
Well, I can sleep the country, so I mean, I'm fine. But they want to look at your photos on your phone. Yeah, are they allowed to do that? They did, and I'm like, why? Officially, no. You don't have to let. Them. It was in San Fran, an SFO, like a few years ago. Yeah, so you maybe, don't have to let them do that. I was like, I don't want any trouble. Just right, whatever. But that's, yeah, I don't think that's part of. So I was policy. flying from Poland to Amsterdam, Amsterdam, LAX, and I get to Amsterdam and I go to the gate, and I had like an an hour before boarding. And I see my name on the screen. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is this about now? Right. And I go up and I'm like, oh, we need to do extra security check on you. And I'm like, really? That's interesting. So they, like, check me always, like, for the whole bombs and, like, the scans. Because you like, look like a terrorist. I know. Maybe so that's why I'm they gonna picked me. I'm going to describe what you look like. You're five, six. Five, four and five, a half. Five, four and a half. Mm-hmm. Blonde. I'm looking closely. I think gray eyes. grayish blue they eyes. They change colors. And, and the thing is, like you, you, I think you look more like a Californian more than you look like a terrorist. Thank you. So, <laughs> so I don't maybe because I fly so much to the same country, and they're like thinking, why is she oh. flying? Well, to maybe the, same the Soviet block, Soviet block countries. Yeah, spies. Yeah, right. maybe they think. Yeah. That's interesting. Huh. Yeah. So every time I have to give myself extra time just for <laughs> just for that. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our um, our 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 tips. <laughs> so we're going to go to a really really quick. Um, what what what's our second subject? I forgot what I was saying. I think was. you said something about the most memorable experience you had. Oh yeah, yes. the most memorable experience. Okay, so what's your most memorable experience? And then if you have a tip on how um, a listener might be able to reproduce. <laughs> if they want to do something like that again. Um, do you want to shoot? Sure. Go ahead. So I was just in Barcelona. And I was lucky enough to stay in someone's house. Um, stay with locals in Barcelona. And they had a scooter. So they're like, okay, instead of walking around the city or taking the subway or taking a taxi or Uber. Oh, and by the way, I guess there's a huge protest that was going on when I was there. They were anti-Uber and Lyft. Mm. So if a taxi driver saw you in an Uber, they would actually smash the windows. Whoa. Yeah, and wow. then there was a whole standoff of taxi drivers not letting people go to the airport, and I'm like, I hope that doesn't happen on the day of my departure. Wow, But yeah. so that was intense. So he's like, just use my Vespa. Just, like, drive around on Hell the yeah. Vespa scooter. I'm like, okay, Hell sure. Yeah. <laughs> and... My friend, he drives a motorcycle, so he's like, okay, like, I'll, I can figure this out. I'm like, okay, I'm kind of nervous. So he drove us around, and it was, like, the most fun I've ever, like, I mm-hmm. had. And it was just, like, you're, you can see everything. I was taking photos on the scooter, and then it's so hot, hot in Barcelona, so it was, like, a nice little breeze while yeah. you're on the scooter. Nice. And then you just hop around from place to place and not have to worry about trains or taxis or anything or walking in the heat. Um, so I highly recommend Barcelona rent a scooter. There's actually a company that I saw that lots of people use. It's called Via Vespa and they're like bright green and bright red Vespas. And it's only, uh, I think it was like 45 euro for the day. Wow. That's not bad. So 60 ish. Yeah. And you could do it by the hour as well. Mm -hmm. So it just depends how long you want it. But I was like that, that's an awesome. That's a steal. Yeah. 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 That sounds so fun. <laughs> well, I think my most memorable experience is um, you. Everyone's seen these pictures of where you go to Japan and you see all the cherry blossoms, and that's what they call um, sakura. And so I had the wonderful experience of being able to do that in two two thousand and 
um, that would be 2017 in spring. One of the things that people don't know is that if you're trying to hit Sakura season, um, it it's um, the dates are different in every city in Japan. So depending on what part of Japan you are, it could be as much as two weeks off from another city in Japan. And the way you find out when Sakura season is going to actually happen in the particular city um, that you're going to be in is there's a Sakura forecast. Mm-hmm. And it you can see last year's Sakura forecast. And then you can also look at this year's Sakura forecast as some, I think usually around January, they start to forecast when... Um, when Sakura season is going to happen, depending on how cold the season has been, and they compare it to other years. So if you're going to go um, travel, because I think I did this as, if, like, I think the north Sakura season starts first, and then it starts going south all the way um, down to Tokyo, then it goes down to Kyoto. And that's a really, really good way if you want to go see Sakura season. The other thing is, I think you should also do what the locals do. Um First of all, go look at the pictures. They're completely real. I showed some of these pictures to Katharina, and she was just utterly amazed. It's just like if you go to the parks, there's just flowers everywhere. It looks beautiful like beautiful on the pictures. Yeah, like a put like each photo was like a postcard. It was, like, it, and it was I wasn't even great. trying. And, yeah. and it looked like there's snow in the trees. Mm-hmm. That there's so mm-hmm. many flowers. Yeah. Um, the locals, what they'll do is they'll take out a blanket and they'll stake out some ground and they'll just <laughs> stay. For half a day now of course you're on vacation you don't want to do half a day but we actually took time we took out our own blanket we had a little camping blanket that folded and we brought it out and we stayed for two hours got a little bit of food from a local vendor yeah. had a few drinks and it was one of the most memorable experiences nice. i have had just yeah. sitting underneath these trees and with the locals and just watching people go by i highly suggest you go find a park in um, do as the locals do. Yeah. It's super busy during that time, isn't it? Is there a lot of There's a lot of people, tourists? but yeah. it's it's definitely worth it. Yeah. It's I mean, I thought it was going to be crazier. It was bad, but it's not like Disneyland oh, yeah. Christmas yeah. bad. <laughs> right, you know? yeah. so it's all relative, right? <laughs> it's all relative. So, but yeah. it, it's definitely worth going to see Japan um, during Sakura season. Yeah. So, what's yeah. your tip? Or what's your fate most, I'm sorry, what's your most memorable moment, Michelle? Um, this was some years ago um, when I was single. Um, I went alone to Europe by myself, just a, like an eat, love, pray <laughs> tour of my own. Awesome. And um, I was in Venice, Italy, and um, I had met up with a couple of girls um, on a cruise prior, and we continued our adventure together for a few more days. And... Um, we happened to stop into this restaurant. It was pouring rain. Like I, this was like biblical pouring rain. We had umbrellas from the hotel, and we we um, ducked into this restaurant and um, to have some dinner. And I look across the restaurant, and there's Stanley Tucci and his family. What? Yeah, they're having dinner. You know, Wait, and who is? Th- oh, oh actor, we had a millennial is yeah. here. <laughs> millennial Sorry. in the house. Is it actor? Um, wasn't he, he in Devil Wears Prada? I think so. He was in Devil Wears Prada. Can you look this guy up? Yeah, look him up. Sorry, what was the name again? Stanley Tucci. T-U-C-C-I, yeah. Yeah. So I got up, you know, I went to go to the bathroom. I wasn't going to bother him. His kids were there and stuff. But I looked, I made eye contact with him, and we kind of gave each other a knowing glance, like, I know you know who I am, and I know you know who who you are. (laughs) So, but that was just the beginning of the evening. And then um, 
we're eating and then um, all these gondoliers come in. They're done with their shift or whatever. And apparently uh-huh. this this uh, restaurant right on the canal there is like the local hangout for these guys after work to have drinks and stuff. So they started, they came up, you know, Italian men, my God. They're just, <laughs> you're, you feel like a goddess in yep. Italy. I swear to God, they're Bellissima. so complimentary. Exactly. They're so complimentary and they very attentive. <laughs> Um, whether you, you like it or not. never do that to me. And no. I <laughs> no. So um, they started flirting. With, there was probably like five of them. And they started flirting with us. And we were talking. And we're all having drinks and kind of getting, you know, toasty. And one of them, he spoke English. Um, mm-hmm. But he spoke it with a British accent because his mother is British. So it was just kind of funny that oh, he spoke with funny. a British accent. Yeah, that's how we learned it. And um, so we hung out with them. They were super, super fun and boisterous, you know, and still wearing their shirt, you know, their striped shirts, the whole garb. Yeah. And um, so then it came to be like when we had to end the evening and my I was staying at a different hotel than my two friends. And um, he off the one of the, the English speaking one offered to walk me back to my hotel. Oh, oh. And so it's dark and it's raining. Got the umbrella. He's holding the umbrella for me. And he's, this is like from so a movie. Romantic. It wasn't it was like from a movie. And he wasn't, he was pretty easy on the eyes, too, I'll tell you. <laughs> Christian Vianaldo. Um, Maybe he's listening. I know. Hi, right. so Hi Chris. Born, <laughs> he was born and raised in Venice. And, you know, his dad was a gondolier. He's now got the business. So this is super authentic. I mean, yeah. I couldn't even. And so he walked, right? And he walked me all around the island to show me where he went to his elementary school, where oh his grandma goodness. lives, and in the pouring rain, he, in the pouring <laughs> rain, with holding the umbrella over me for me. Oh and um, so we just walked the little cobbly stone streets back to my hotel, and um, the rest I can't talk about. So <laughs> it's a family so, program. <laughs> I, I think the way we had to say to reproduce oh this. Is that she had to be an attractive young lady who has red hair. So I, I don't know. How to, how can we reproduce this? <laughs> We're trying to give wow. tips here. But that's so romantic. <laughs> but that's like, a wonderful right? story. Yeah. I oh, could wow. believe, it was so memorable, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Well, with that X-rated um, story that we can't talk about. PG-13. PG-13. I think we're going to end this podcast. Yeah. Thank you all for listening on Zen. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, and we'll see you next, next week. Time. Yep. Bye. Bye. And now a word from our sponsors. They're called goals for a reason. There's something to strive for. They require attention and they need sweat and hard work to achieve. Do you have a career goal? At UCI Division of Continuing Education, we're here to help. With over 60 certificate programs available, we've helped over a quarter million students reach their goals, and we can help you reach yours too. Start today at ce.uci.edu forward slash be amazing. That's ce.uci.edu forward slash be amazing.